Miss Jason Bourne. Jesus, Bourne, it's Jesus Christ. <sighs> Alright. I've turned off everything in the house. I've shut every door. I've done all I can. I can see like multiple doors open right now. But like the sound doors. Oh. As as opposed to the silence. God forbid. Oh, now the breeze is happening. That's average. The winds howl on this spooky, spooky month apparently. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ladies and future boys, it is that special time of year once again. The coffins are open, and the graves are empty. The skeletons are out and about, and all they want to do is trick and treat. That's right, future skeletons and skeletettes, it's October. Uh, the harvest season is over, and it's party time before the darker half. It's Sam Hain, it's Halloween, baby, and it always will be. This is Halloween. Yep, as always, we are doing it right. We are going to be spending the month with some spooky topics. To open this proverbial pit up for the year, I am starting with one of my earliest memories actually watching horror movies. Sort of. Probably mentioned during our time comparing Child's Play and its remake, but once upon a time, before the comic collection, I'm channel surfing in my room when the weirdest fucking thing comes up on TV. These little demon sperms are swimming up a tube. <laughs> Alright, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And next thing I knew, I had watched all of Seed of Chucky. And obviously I went back and watched Bride. Because Child's Play doesn't have Chucky in the name, I didn't know there was more movies for a while. Oh. <laughs> so. I mean, like, makes kind of sense. But the Chucky franchise has kind of been my favourite of the slashes ever since. There's a nostalgia to it. There's a level of goof and cheese. Like, obviously you got other... They're all good. But <laughs> there's only so many shitty... Uh, teen victims I can really deal with. That is a very, like, intense trope. The slash is great. Like, as, as fun as Jason Voorhees is, I've got to tolerate a jock, a stoner, a whore, usually, like, a Valma. You know what I mean? I was like, I fuck these people. <laughs> Whereas... Remember when Paris Hilton was one of those people? That was House of Wax, I believe. It was. That's right. Never seen it. Mm-hmm. Just know she was in it, and she died. Yeah. Um, we lightly covered the first Child's Play last Halloween, but this week I'm skipping ahead to the fourth one, because after Bad Woman, I just wanted to watch a comfort movie mm. going into this new month. And that's why we are here today covering The Bride of Chucky. Um, Kaya, would you like to update the listeners on everything in the Child's Play franchise to get up to this point? There is a man mm-hmm. who is a bad man Okay. because he kills people. Right, the Lakeshore Strangler. His name is Charles Lee Ray. Uh-huh. He gets shot in a toy... Um, store. Store. Yep. While he's, like, dying, uh-huh. he puts himself into a doll. He does. Because he's in a toy store. Mm-hmm. But he's been into voodoo. He's been dabbling in some of that. Voodoo for dummies. Yeah. Um. So now he's a doll, and then the doll gets purchased by a boy, and then... He just traumatizes the boy. Yeah. And we followed the story of Charles Lee Ray, but Chucky, because he's in the doll body, just just 
freaking traumatizing the shits out of this kid. Hmm. Because in the first three, once he reactivates, reanimates, whatever you want to call it, the first person who finds out his secret, he's like bound to them. It's like a sire, like a vampire. Hmm. Because he told young Andy Barkley that he is Chucky. Like, the the second he dropped his, um, you're my favourite deputy shit and started talking like, uh, Woody, uh, then he's bound and he has to go into that body. Yeah. Uh, which, um... They don't really, like, keep up with... I, I, I've, I have theories and stuff and we, we play around with it. It's fine. Um, okay. And then what happened, Kyle? He terrorises Andy... And his mum. Uh-huh. He terrorises Andy and his stepsister. And his foster kid. He terrorises Andy. Just a military uh, boot camp. Uh, and then there's a fourth. That's where we are. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, a few. Look at me knowing so much about Chucky first, considering that I've not really watched most of it. You're a bit. You're a bit of a scaredy cat. I think I've watched the first two, and then four, five. Mm-hmm. You've watched some of six, but you weren't impressed. Not not that it's a bad movie. I think it's pretty great. You were more like, a, oh, oh, this one's actually quite gory and it's, distressing. Is that the cult one? Yeah. I watched a YouTube compliment, compilation. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, Alright, so a few movies need to exist for us to get The Bride of Chucky, and not just the obvious ones, like The Child's Play Ridge Tridge. Um, we have to start with 1996's Scream here. Okay? Scream is the thing that ended horror films for me. Yeah, you, you weren't a big fan. No, look. You saw I, it, like, roughly when it came out, so you were, like, a tiny? Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know, but the people that I was watching the film with had the mask. So they went out one window, ran around the house, came back in, wearing the Scream mask with a knife. So one thing I like about Scream is that the cosplay uh, demographic is like the a budget of like thirty dollars. I know, but when you're but like, that al- yeah, but that also is the problem because it makes anyone be able to be Ghostface. That's the whole, when did it come thing. out? Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah, so I would have been like five. Yeah. <laughs> so it just oh, after that I was like, yeah, I'm done. I I never want to experience this ever again. See, slasher films had a really good long time in the spotlight. You know, mainly starting off with 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre and running strong through the whole 80s, then slowly petering out. No movie trend can last forever, looking at you, the MCU. Um, and, te- and by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation in 1994, Kaya remembers some of the summary of that one. God, is Ren- it the Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, he had a robot leg. Yeah. And he screams. Yeah. Um, yeah, so by that movie, hope for the whole genre was pretty much dead. They're pretty wacky. Yeah, so Child's Play 3 had come out really close to the second one. And as always in our podcast, annual release schedules just, you know, they always show up to dampen anything they we cover. The yeah, they're never a good idea. Um, and it was at the tail end of the genre, so the franchise was kind of done. But a slasher film saw new light when Scream showed up and put. A self-referential spin on things you know it was a it knew that there'd been 20 25 years of horror slasher films at this point mm. so it was sort of like a post-ironic doing it on purpose kind of it was it was self-aware where a lot of them 
don't do that anymore. Like when a zombie movie actually acknowledges fucking zombies. Mm. Or the, you know, whether you call them the walking dead or the undead or stuff. Just call them zombies because you can't pretend that every piece of zombie media didn't happen before this. Yeah. But yeah, so Scream came out and it was aware of things and it was a big old hit and studios wanted their own Screams. Universal Pictures goes through their IPs looking for something they could use. You know, they've got Jaws. And they were like, nah, maybe not. They went, E.T.? Nah, maybe not. Breakfast Club? Hmm, maybe. Nah, um, they ended up... Well, they, they looked through their stuff and they had Child's Play. Breakfast Club, not scary. Well, it could have been. In 1996. No, it could have been. They could have done a new one. Yeah. So... They decided to go with Child's Play, and they called up the original creator, Don Mancini, and asked Which if he... Which is kind of them, because they wouldn't do that now. Yeah, they... It's weird to give a creator respect in this day and age, and that's fucked up. I'm just saying. Mm. Yeah, they asked if he wanted to come back to the franchise and write something new and exciting, and after Child's Play 3, he did want to take things in a bit of a different direction. Um, he wanted to take things away from the Andy Barkley arc. Mm. Um, so... I mean, you can only use the same, like... I'd, well, he'd sort of this, been burnt out by having to do the third one immediately after the second one. Hence, this is going to sound stupid because they're all about Chucky and Tiffany, mm. but, like, you you want some new characters. Well, I break it up into arcs. You got the yeah. Andy arc, the Tiff arc, um, the Nika, and then Jake. Yeah. Um, so, Don calls up David Kirshner, the producer and puppet designer who had been with him since the beginning, since the first one. Because we love it when, you know... Directors have dudes. Oh, that's the thing. The more research we do, the more Don Mancini just keeps his little family together. Yeah. Loves it. It's it's almost... It's it's even worse than the Tim Burton, because that's only like four or five people. This is like... Like um, Kevin Smith, where it's like everyone is always in them because you got to support your voice. If you have a team that works so well together, why would you mess with that? Yeah. If it ain't broke. So, um... To the point he brings in, like... His favourite's children. There's multiple times that, like, a character is cut from a movie and then he calls them as, like, do you want to do a different character later to make up for that? But, like... <laughs> that he, in this movie. Didn't he call in, um, Chucky's daughter to play Chucky? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, you have procreated. Great. Get her in here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he called up uh, Kirshner. He's like, you, you in? And, um, you know... Then, you know, they, they sort of joined together. But uh, while creating creators, I will also quickly say that they got um, Donnie Yu to direct, mm-hmm. um, who had also made Freddy vs. Jason. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? No. Right. That's, that's a... I don't think I've seen any of Considering he made that, this is a pretty straight, which, which non-comical one's, film. Which one's the one mm-hmm. where he goes into a camper home? What are you talking about? I think it's Jason. Jason's always in a in a campsite. No, no, camp home. Then I don't know what that like is. Like an RV. I don't know then. I don't know. I think it's a Jason film. Look, Freddy vs. Jason, I mostly remember because the dude gets stoned and sees the big caterpillar. Rude fucking doll. <laughs> that brings us to the second key movie to bring us Bride of Chucky. Put it into focus. Uh, Kirshner was in a video store because back in you know those days weren't as bleak as they are now fucking Disney Plus and HBO Max and shit and while he's cruising around in there he sees 1935's Bride of Frankenstein good film good soup the Bride of doesn't involve a bride all that much it really fucking doesn't 
She's not in that film at all. We're like, hey, that's Tiff's favourite movie. I'll watch it and you put it on. You're like, huh. All right. She, she watched that one scene. I thought Frankenhooker was barely in her movie. Bride of Frankenstein is barely in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So the Bride of movie trope was another thing in horror that hadn't been played with much at the time. I think Bride of Reanimator had come out recently, but that was like it. Mm. You know, you had your Bride of Frankenstein's, you had your Brides of Dracula, you had Edward's Bride of the Monster. Like, that was a whole that was a whole thing for a very long time. I'm pretty sure we've seen Bride of Dracula. Yeah. Wasn't good either. So they decided Chucky could use some loving too. Speaking of Chucky, uh, Brad Dourif returns to voice the killer Cabbage Patch Kid. Um, I don't think a Chucky movie could work without his voice. No. Especially after the 2019 version. Yeah, there's, there's, he is the only Chucky. Yeah. You kind of need the contrast of the doll and his fucking, like, gravelly voice coming out of it. And as he gets older, it's not like, like, some of the Batman animated series, like, that's the gold standard, and unfortunately that was in the early 90s. So some of those voice actors that return don't really carry the same weight anymore and I get that the reason I hope he's like a 70 year old woman yeah she's a little old age she's sweetheart freaking amazing so obviously like people fade but the more grizzled Brad Dourif gets the the better it is because it just but that's the thing like I mean the soul went into that doll when he was like early 30s in Cult of Chucky particularly mm-hmm. when he starts learning how to split souls and things like that yeah um, like his ability to do the Chucky voice, but do it differently. Well, so like every every soul has its own unique Chucky voice, but it's still the Chucky voice, which is different to his voice. Yeah. Like that's when you know, like you've picked the right person to do the role. Because hmm. he had been in One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest. With um, Jack Nicholson. Mm. And that's what the Chucky voice is. It's him doing an impression of Jack Nicholson. But like... And once I learned that, I was like, holy shit, it is too. Never, yeah. I never thought about it. I never connected those dots. But that... I didn't the, want to connect Chucky to Joker anymore after 2019. The particular clip of um, Call of Chucky when there's the three of them. Mm. Like, it's such a subtle difference. But once it's pointed out to you, you're like... Oh my god. He he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's good. Um, yeah, so this movie kept the classic voice, but wanted to add something new to the mix. You know, the bride of Chucky, of course. Uh, she is played by Jennifer Tilly. What do you think about that? Well, we like Jennifer Tilly. Yeah? Who doesn't? I thought everyone did. Yeah, she's great. Um, and she's great, because she's... Tiffany playing Tiffany playing Jennifer Tilly playing Tiffany. Yeah, yeah. It's it started very, off funny. It's very confusing as to who she is and who she's playing, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, that one. Well, in here, it's nice and simple. In this movie, but like every time she shows up, they just add make it slightly more complicated. Yeah. That's okay. That is not a parcel arriving at my house, so we can continue. It shouldn't be. I li- ladies and gentlemen, I literally have the heart of Dembala on its way right now. I was kind of hoping to wear it. It isn't here yet. I apologize. Thank, thank God. I Actually, these guys probably don't know. Almost every episode that we do, there is a shrine of some kind set up. I like to keep stuff fresh in my room. 
sorry. I had to close the front door. There's a man literally having a midlife crisis outside. He's got a super receding hairline and he's like just going from one side of his house to the other in his front yard on a new motorbike. Oh, so dad's coming to visit. That's not my dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> not my dad either because he doesn't exist. That's right. Um, okay, so do you want to talk about uh, Tiffany's addition to things now or just throughout the movie and podcast as we go? What would be easier for you? I don't know. I just wrote it in as a question, so I figure I should ask it. Oh. <laughs> she is a good addition to the story. Mm-hmm. And, like, it doesn't feel like a forced element. Considering the fact that they're not adding it until... Considering they retcon a bunch of shit to put her in, it's still... But then, I can, I can see why purists are, like, annoyed at it, but at this point, that was three movies and we're up to... What is it? Seven, eight in a TV show now. Yeah, she's been here longer than she hasn't. So I guess and that's grow the thing. up. They don't like. Sure, they retcon some stuff, mm-hmm. but it's very easy to put her in, like without realizing. Everyone needs a good Harley Quinn. It's great. But that's the thing. Like, we only get introduced to Charles Lee Ray as he's being killed. Yeah, we don't know. We yeah. don't know anything that happens before that. Point. We get a few flashbacks, especially in the TV series. We get a lot of flashbacks, but at the time, we see him run up the street and get shot. Yeah. And yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we don't see enough to know that Tiff wasn't a thing before that incident. Yeah. And she definitely makes a play of she's no like she doesn't mind killing. She finds that attractive. Like, multiple times throughout her appearances throughout the series. I would argue... is cool. I don't want to spoil it. Frankly, I don't even want to think about it because, like, I'm a fan of Tiffany. But the shit she did at, like, right near the end of that first season of Chucky makes her, like, way more devious and fucking terrifying and awful than Chucky. (laughs) Which make... Honestly, I think she is, though. Fuck it, let's go on a tangent, all right? I've been... Going over the Fred Rosemary West case because a better podcast than us has been covering it recently. We also probably won't be covering it. Well, that's not comic booky. We only do real serial killers during our trick or treat bag. Mm. Um, and there's some fuck. I don't even know how to summarize this properly. Like, if left unchecked in that case, I think the wife would have tried to kill husband, and I think husband may have known that. And I think he may have tried to kill wife if they weren't arrested eventually, mm. despite the negligence of every police force ever in a serial killer case. God damn it, guys. Police are not as bad as Canada. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, so I've started to worry after listening to that stuff and connecting a few random dots in my stupid brain for no reason. I'm starting to worry. I'm just going to make a call now. Before season two starts, which is right around the corner. It's probably out by the time this episode airs. I think Chucky will kill Tiffany at some point. But that's... We've seen him do it like three or four times, but you know what I mean. In this series, and in general, female serial killers are usually worse than males. And are usually better at getting away with it. So, it's not surprising that Tiff is played the way that she is. And I think real person Tiff is worse than doll Tiff. 
Hmm. You're right, because Real Tiff was the one that's doing the thing I'm thinking of. She nuggeted someone. She's also slit multiple throats and then licked the blade clean. She's going to get AIDS doing that. So this is a slasher film and we need some teen victims. That's right. For that, we've got Jesse and his lover Jade, played by Nick Stabile. Stable? Stable with an I. And Catherine Heigl, respectfully. This is early Catherine Heigl. Yeah, and their friend David, who is played by Gordon Michael Woolvett. Uh, their antagonists are Jade's uncle and guardian, police chief Warren Concade, played by John Ritter, a character who was a security guard in Child's Play 3, but his scene got cut. Nice. So he came back, as they do. And um, his little sidekick, uh, Officer uh, Needlenose Norton. Who is just crap. Who is played by Michael Lewis Johnson. I don't think he's in anything else. He does not have a link or a picture on the internet. Good. With that, actual movie time, okay? Let's talk about this cold open. How do you feel about it? Okay. Cold being the right word, because it is blue. It is very blue. Some stylistic colours. It's, it's almost twilight blue. I'd say it's worse than twilight blue. It is either, things are either black or a shade of blue. Mm. It is so close to monochrome, it's wild. Um, we see this police officer going into an evidence locker, cameoing tools used by Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers, similar to Batman and Robin's Arkham storage area. You shouldn't really compare something you say is good to that movie, even though you think that's fine too, but like, oh, no. It sets a tone, doesn't it? They are very on display, though, for an evidence locker. Like, it's almost like glass cabinet at a museum. Yeah, it's pretty fun. And then this officer goes into the back and, you know, leaves with a garbage bag from an unsolved locker. I like that you like, yeah, they display all the big slashes, but the Chucky stuff is in, like, a trash bag in the back. <laughs> Poor bastard. He drives out into the rain. Somehow. I don't even think it's that. I think it's just a disrespect. <laughs> yeah, he drives out in the rain to a buyer with a very sultry voice. She wants to buy the evidence. Um, he parks up at the arranged meeting place and eventually gets curious and goes to look in the back. He was warned against it. Suddenly he is grabbed and his throat is cut with a sharpened nail file. We then get our first look at Tiffany going by Valentine currently. Usually Tiffany Ray is it? Tiffany. <laughs> Depends on which part you're going with. They're the surname's complicated. Yet. I know. Is it Valentine before? Yeah. They say it in the other movies, though. It don't matter. Um, so, this is our first time looking at Tiffany. First seeing this character at around 13, 14 years old. Likely caused some lasting effects. Let's not go into that. And her musical motifs, Kyle. Like, they're so good to forget about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, it's got long sweeping strings and these deep echoing bass guitar riffs that I've only seen replicated in some Scarling songs. Mm. I like the sound. I like the sound that the instruments make when she's doing things in this movie. Yeah, her, her character theme song is much better than Wonder Woman's. Wonder Woman's was good, overused as hell. Yeah. So the music in this film was made by uh, Graham Revel. I'm going to pronounce it that way. I apologize, Graham. Um, he's done a lot of this stylized, gothy movie scores. Mm-hmm. He, he fucking did a bunch. He did Spawn, The Craft, the old one, the real one, uh, The Crow, uh, 20, 2003's Daredevil, Sin City, uh, even Power Rangers, the movie. I think I've only seen like two or three of those. He's good at stylistic shit is the list I'm running off there. Nice. Anyway, Tiffany leans into the police car while the cop dies and takes his Zippo lighter with the engraving 2 Bailey on it. My first 
and most delightful little stupid collector's item, <laughs> my first zipper. It's almost like someone real special got that. Yeah. Just don't ask me where I got it from. We have to, sc- we have to screenshot it and have the laser man do it r- like this. Shush! And grab it like this. Don't tell them I was trying to make out that I got it from Babe. <clears throat> well, you would have had to buy it from a different place. Evidence back. <laughs> the cycle continues. All right. So, she takes the zipper, and that's great. And then she takes the bag and opens it. Inside is the carved-up remains from the Chucky doll found in the Devil's Lair in Child's Play 3. Do you remember that one in that movie you haven't seen? No. So there's, in this carnival roller coaster, there's this giant air conditioner in the middle of a volcano that's pushing all the streamers up. So it makes the fire. Like SeaWorld? Uh-uh. Yeah. The big Bermuda thing? Yeah, Yeah. I know what you're talking about. No, that had actual fire. This is just streamers with a big fan underneath them to make him go... Oh, that's boring. It's, it's a fucking carnival. But Chucky goes into it and he gets... Oh, that explains a lot. Oh, he also got hit by a reaper scythe and cut off, like, half of his face. The face that's a bit uh, modelled up in the other versions. Okay. Okay. Right, so she looks into it, find, pulls out the little, the little smushed-up face and says in her incredible voice that I am not going to be able to do... She says, well, hello, Dolly. And then Living Dead Girl by Rob Zombie blares and the title card appears on screen. Yeah. What do you think about this opening overall? It's, it's a good opening. It sets a tone. It does. Doesn't play little, um, little, like, uh, treasure box music, which was a lot of the motif in the other Chucky movies because he's a child's toy. Yeah. But it's like, we're going on, we're, we're going with a bang it's a, here. It's we're a definitely, lot sexier of an opening. We're making a point to not be the original three movies. Yeah. Wait, we're telling a different tale. Yeah. It's still a, a favourite opening for me in general. It's great. Living Dead Girl can be thrown over as many Frankenhooker AMVs as you like on YouTube, but it's this movie's theme song for me. The evidence locker scenes were originally written to go with a court scene at the start of Child's Play 2, but the cut idea was cycled back around here. Um, I like that a lot of the original cut ideas have been kept handy in this franchise. In a weird way, it retains some of the... It doesn't retain the feel, but it does retain some of the, I guess, individuality of the creator. Does that make sense? Like, at the time and place he came up with all the ideas, there's still, no matter how, like, far time goes, he still goes back and takes a little bit of that younger self into the newer one, so it doesn't, it stays relatively fresh. Yeah. Like, South South Park has arcs like the Chucky franchise has arcs but those are way more distinct distinct. they are very distinct whereas here it it, it holds a little bit of itself somehow it's very hard to explain what I'm saying here but yeah like clearly they don't have an end in mind because most of the time like I'm 100% sure they never thought they were going to do a TV series Mm mm-mm but like, I thought they were gone. I didn't think we were going to get a TV series either. But that's the thing. Like, they've almost got an ending to it without having an ending. So they're working constantly towards this like bigger story because everything fits in together. Well, it's slasher rules in its own way. The slasher rules is like usually one or two of the survivors, quote unquote, kill the guy. Yeah, and then. You know, it comes back. The hand comes out of the lava and there's a question mark next to the end. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, that sort of stereotype. And Child's Play's always done those too. 
is even aware of it in this film. Yeah. And we'll get to that. That's oh, yeah. Um, uh, so, because this is a new arc for Chucky, he needs a new look. So while Zombie rambles his nonsense lyrics that don't make any fucking sense in the background, have you ever actually looked at the lyrics of them shits? No, but I'm looking forward to watching the monsters. I wish I'd wrote some down just so I could say them spoken word style and just sound like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> but at any rate, um, Tiffany rebuilds the Chucky doll and she isn't quite as talented as the old dude in Toy Story 2. Um, so how do you feel about the final result? How do you feel about the Chucky that looks like this uh, era of Chucky? It's weird because I don't like it. Uh-huh. But the more that I like watch other versions of Chucky, they feel wrong. So this is your Chucky? Yeah, but I don't like it at the same time. Hmm. But yes, this is probably my favourite out of all of his looks. It's the best for me. It was my first, so there's obviously like a loyalty Mm. point there. Um, it's but it is just a phase, and I'm I'm used to the normal look again. Like, and I appreciate how, like in the original three, he would slowly change. Like the puppet itself would slowly get more and more life. Like we definitely mentioned that in our child's play comparison because the 2019 version didn't do that. He was already sort of established. Yeah. But this one obviously can't do that because he's sort of like slightly different magic and what have you. And obviously yeah. he's all scarred up and mushed. So she rebuilds the doll and tries to reawaken it. Reawaken it. Reawaken it. It's kind of embarrassing, but when she refers to a book called Voodoo for Dummies, I just thought it was a comedic post-slasher irony thing that voodoo had become so widespread that you can just get a how-to book in the public library. I mean... But it's probably a joke that Chucky is in fact a dummy, and I just made that connection this week. Yeah, maybe. It's a little, little double entendre there. So, she does the Dimbala chant, and sweet fuck all happens. Well, as far as she thinks. Yeah. So, after Tiffany's attempt, her current boyfriend shows up. Kai, would you like to describe this man? Uh, he is a Marilyn Manson wannabe. Marilyn Manson was asked to play the role, and he didn't want it. <laughs> I am not surprised. <laughs> they just made a lot of fun of him. Yeah. So, um... He wants to impress his BTGGF by claiming to be a murderer. She's impressed at first until she works out that he staged the photo he's showing her. When she storms around in her little trailer... Oh Which yeah. she works out because he's wearing the same fingernail paint as the dude in the picture. Yeah. Just, I have to add that. It's, it's 1990 whenever the fuck this movie came out. Yeah, but still. Boys didn't wear nail polish yet. Yeah, but still. Alright, yep, so she's storming around in her trailer because she's trailer park trash like Joy Turner or Jenny Bell. Uh, when she storms around, she realises she didn't have to step over the good guy doll. Yeah. Where's he, where'd he go? Vanished, because uh, it wasn't on the floor. That's right. While she looks around the, you know, the, the minivan. Oh, for the missing mini man is what I've written there. I've done some alliteration there, that's very impressive. Damien tells her that the French call orgasms les petites mortes which translates to the little death. And he asks her if she wants to die a little. Mm. Um, She does not. No. After she finds Chucky, she obliges. Tiff handcuffs Damien to the bed and sits Chucky on his chest and begins dancing. He definitely wouldn't be able to see past the doll. No. But that's okay. Jennifer Tilly is hot and she's great, but what is more important for this nerd podcast is what she's chatting about. Okay? She's 
She's talking about her time with her previous boyfriend, Charles Lee Ray. She is bragging about her previous lover to her current boyfriend, which is rude. But we have to talk about this with it. We have to stay focused, people. Can't be looking at this big titty goth GF in a corset. We have to think about the logistics at all times. Uh-huh, that's exactly what you're thinking about watching right. this clip. Her describing her time with her boyfriend is adding herself to canon, retconning the Lakeshore Strangler into more of a Bonnie and Clyde couple killer scenario. And yes, I could use deeper cut couples in my reference here, but most of them are rapists, and frankly, I don't really want to picture them raping a guy. <laughs> I don't want my head canon to feature Chucky doing things to underage girls, which is eh, most couple killers. You know, you know how it'd be. So she tells Damien his soul is in that Chucky doll. And when oh, and that he was the best lover she ever had. Yeah. Good on him. He's got big pee-pee. Damien says that's just a little doll. He isn't possibly big enough for a woman like her, which is uh, pussy, pussy uh, slander. That's some shaming right there. I was going to say slut shaming, but that ain't it. Some uh, depth shaming, I guess. It's something. But Chucky turns his head around Exorcist style, and in classic Brad Dourif fashion, he says, it ain't the size that counts, asshole. It's what you do with it. True. Uh, Chucky then rips Damien's lip ring off, which, you know, makes me sort of check mine with my tongue a little bit when we see. It's also pretty gross, but way more blood than it should be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the pillow goes over his face, and the two lovers get reacquainted while Damien slowly suffocates. Yay! While they get caught back up over Chucky's favourite meal, Swedish meatballs with marinara sauce, we couldn't help but notice. Yeah, I'm not here for it. They are not Swedish meatballs, they are just fucking meatballs, but that's okay, whatever. Is it Swedish because they don't call them pasta? I think it's Swedish because they're supposed to be with gravy. It's a different... I know, no, I know what Swedish meatballs are. Mm. Are they calling it Swedish meatballs because she only makes meatballs and sauce? I think it's because the prop guy wasn't listening and just made spaghetti dinner. Okay. <laughs> I don't, Kaya. I don't know. It happens later on as well. It, I know. It's like they've made the mistakes regularly. So while they're, you know, while they're eating this, Tiffany tells him how he found the enga- she found the engagement ring in his apartment the night he was killed, and she's been trying to revive him ever since. Oh, so nice. Mm-hmm. He re- recollects nabbing it from a Lakeshore Strangler victim named Vivian Van Pelt, which I thought was an intentional name, and I fact-checked, and no. It's just a name drop of a victim from his previous career as a human. Fancy name. Yeah, but he stole the ring with the intention of selling it. Tiffany, it would be worth a lot of fun. Tiffany realizes it wasn't meant for her, and he wasn't going to settle down and have a couple kids and live happily ever after with her. Um, and she's not super pleased about that. I mean, I understand that. She locks the tiny little man into a little playpen, Rugrat style, um, that she'd made for their child. Which is weird. She was ready to bring her husband back. Yeah. He's a little doll. She literally has a jail cell for her child that doesn't exist. Some women are baby crazy. Hmm. Alright, so she goes to bed and cries herself to sleep next to the dead Damien to Crazy by Kidney Thieves. This movie really does have the best soundtrack. Uh, the second place for that being Jawbreaker. Mm. Do you have a favourite movie soundtrack just based on songs picked, not the score? Um, I'm not going to answer that question because you'll make fun of me. The Twilight. No. Oh, however, Twilight <laughs> did have really good soundtracks. It had a Muse song that I liked, but then stopped listening to it for like five years. It went, on, it got a time out because mm. I was like, "This is a good song." And then, like, I saw the baseball scene, and I'm like, "It's gonna be hard not to think about the baseball scene now." It's a good scene. 
I like couldn't be able to, like color correct it back to normal, so it's just Bad so name. strange looking. Yeah, it's it's got to be. Yeah. Well, if that wasn't your one, you weren't a, you were not ashamed to admit. What is it? We're we're running out of time for this podcast. We really need to move it along. All right. Well. <laughs> Realising I was too focused on the stars of this show, we got to go back and cover our Bonnie and Clyde of the movie, Jesse and Jade. Yeah. All right, they're they plot- haven't really been in it up till now. No, they, they've showed up twice, but I hadn't mentioned it yet. So their plot begins the same night with Jade's date coming to pick her up. She lives with her uncle slash guardian, uh, police chief Concade. Um, he's, yeah, he's her guardian at the moment. Yeah. He's not a fan of her. Don't know why he chose to keep the kid. Because you have to. He can give it to adoption or something, I don't know. So the man at the door introduces himself as David. And yes, there is some jokes about him studying theatre arts on a figure skating scholarship, but he is still way more than just a gay character. He is. And it was, you know, and it was rare in those days for a gay character to, to you know, be more than a joke punching bag. It's the 90s, for fuck's sake. And it makes a lot of sense that Dan Mancini is gay. Like, yeah. he used LGBT ideas and characters... In a way that always came off natural and legit to me, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of ones where I'm like, this feels really forced by, like, someone... Some higher-up is like, well, you got to tick these boxes. Yeah. Which is a shame. But his one's never felt that way to me. Yeah. He's used pretty much everything. No, I agree. I I like the way he does it. Um, So the couple leave the house, and Concade notifies his little sidekick that they've left. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut to them in the car, and Jesse was hiding in there. He's in the back seat. Yeah, because Concade doesn't want his niece dating a trailer park trash person like Jesse. Which kind of makes sense. Stop drooling on my fucking notes, cat. God damn it. Um, David was just posing to help out his buddies because he's a good friend, and they're quickly pulled over by that needle nose guy, and they are busted. That's right. Okay, so this fucking there's a cat on my notes, literally just standing on them, drooling. Stop it. Alright, so, um, okay, next morning, we, we have Tiffany coming out of the trailer with a big old suitcase, and she's, she gets Jesse to help her lift it into a car, because they're, It's um, not even a suitcase, it's a chest. It's one of those, like, old-timey trunks. Yeah. Um, so they're trailer neighbours. Yeah, they're and, popped up next to each other. And he's kind of, like, anxious to be around her. I, I didn't really I notice understand. that before, but he is kind of afraid of her. She's too sexually powerful, I think. Yeah. Um, so he rejects her advances and says he has someone special, and she's a big true love fan, and she tells him something important, not just a key detail for later, but just good life advice. Um, if a woman spends all day sh- slaving over a hot stove for a man, the least he can do is them dishes. Um, That's some good advice there, listeners. Yeah. So she goes off to do her day-to-day stuff, I don't know, dumping the suitcase with Damien in it, getting passive-aggressive presents for Chucky, you know, day, you know, normal day-to-day activities. Yeah. Um... When she gets back home, she gives Chucky a wife to settle down with. Yeah, a nice a, little dolly. A big old bride doll. Um, and she won't be helping him become a man again because she, she you know, he's not thrilled about that. And she, she's like, oh, you, "You're a dick. You aren't going to marry me. You can, you can stay in that little box. You can stay in your little playpen. I'm going to go take a bath with your new wifey." Yeah. Um. It's hard not to go into every detail talking about this movie because it is one of my favorites. Like the way he's using the speaking spell, you know, it's like spell woman. <laughs> You've typed in B I T C H. That is incorrect. And he's like shows what you know. Um, 
you know, little stupid things like that. The way Tiffany is watching the news of Damien's body being found and the detective not saying anything useful. Like, all, I, I love, like, every scene of this movie. Yeah. So... It, it very much plays into, like, it could be a real thing, but it's also, like, very one-liner. Very it's tongue-in-cheeky about things, Very yeah. tongue-in-cheek. So while channel surfing, Tiffany catches the last couple minutes of Bride and Frankenstein. She tears up watching it while Chucky wears down the nursery bars with the ring Tiffany bought for, you know... Oh, that she no, bought no, was for her? Yeah. That's her one, isn't it? Yep, sorry. That's Van Pelt's ring. Okay. So he drags his bride out of there and sneaks into the bathroom. Uh, this fucking trailer makes no sense. We've discussed this off-air. Multiple times. Yeah. Because there's, there's presumably a kitchen in there, too. Those Swedish meatballs existed. Yeah. It's a very large trailer. For her to have advice about stoves, I'm, I'm assuming there's a kitchen. Adjacent no... to the bedroom and huge bathroom. There's there's no doors. Everything's behind curtains, so possible. Uh, look, I don't know what to make of it. All right, so um, he shoves the little TV she's watching that on into the bathtub. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's fun because he's using electricity to create his wife, just like Bride of Frankenstein. Except instead of reanimating a corpse, he's you know kind of building one. Yeah. But it is more than that. See the first in the first script of Child's Play, mm-hmm. Aunt Maggie. The one who went out the window. Yeah. Um, she was electrocuted in the bathtub in the original version of that movie. Recycling some of our storylines. Yeah. In this, in our new Chucky, like our new scarred face Chucky, the first kill that he does is the is the first kill he was originally ever going to do. Yeah. Which I think is a sort of a cool thing. It's a new era for Chucky, like, but but it's still it's still taking accurate. Yeah. I like that. So Chucky then does the Dembala chant, which is not the same as the originals because it's, I don't know, Frenchy, voodoo, uh, gibberish, maybe Haitian, I forget. Um, he takes the dying soul out of Tiffany and plops it into the doll and voila, bride of Chucky. <laughs> if, he want, if she wants to be human again, she has to help Chucky be one too. Uh, the, see, the next retcon is the heart of Dembala, a strange item Chucky now suddenly needs to get into a human host. Yeah. He never needed it in the original trilogy, sort of. In another shocking event, it was featured in the first movie, but it was reduced to a deleted scene in the special features with the voodoo shaman guy. Yeah. Um, so my head canon goes like this. He didn't need it in the first three, but he was also locked into body swapping with a single person. Yes. You know, either Andy or Tyler. Um, he revealed himself to Tiffany and Damien, both already dead now, so maybe the amulet gives him just a little bit of a boost... To awesome. sort of negate that rule. Yeah, alright. That, that's, that's my only... That, that is my legal defense, okay? I can feel that. Okay, and... Then in the Nika or Jake arcs, we could assume that Chucky had gotten the hang of shit and didn't need the amulet anymore. He also learnt how to, um... Whatever Voldemort does. Well, I mean, he's finding that... That's what Voldemort do, right? Yeah. Whore cruxes. Them's the words. Um... He whores them cruxes. But he's probably finding that... Being in the doll is more useful than being a dude. He does decide that in Seed of Chucky. Because, like, dudes die. So, um, forever. So, in this version, the amulet was around his neck when Charles Lee Ray died, so it's probably in his coffin. Buried Which, with it. Okay, makes sense. So they got out. They gotta go on the road trip to New Jersey to get it. Mm-hmm. Tiffany has a plan. Um, she's going to get that Jesse kid to deliver them for some quick cash. So he calls him up, 
gets him to do that in the morning, and then we get one of the weirdest gear up montage scenes ever. You know the ones like the the you know the savages song in Pocahontas when they're all getting ready to kill the natives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there's every suit up scene in the first four Batman movies. Ash building the chainsaw hand. You know, that's that's the one that says groovy. But this one is Tiffany glamming up her doll body, bleaching the hair, but still keeping her human uh, form regrowth. Um, putting on do- little tiny Doc Martens, goth makeup, and it's all set to Call Me by Blondie too. It's it's great. Everything's great. Jesse picks up the dolls and heads off to collect uh, Jade. Mm-hmm. So Jesse and Jade decide to elope. Because th- surprisingly, with a thousand dollars, you can do a lot. <laughs> yeah, his list of shit he's going to do with that thousand dollars is amazing. He's going to get a job, he's going to get an apartment, he's going to put her through college. Yep. Incredible. Maybe it's the 30s. This film, this film has, like, old-timey fucking... Before hyperinflation. Yeah. Man, hyperinflation. I hate that that, because I spent so much time on the internet, I hate that I'm like, oh, those are those pictures on Google Images. But no, you mean money. Yeah. You mean economics, because you're not a brain-dead idiot. So Jesse and Jade decide to elope, and they go into her house to pack her shit and skedaddle in the night. Meanwhile, Kincaid is planting drugs in Jesse's sweet van. I mean... Get this guy out of her life. Send him to jail. So the dolls decide to do something about this because, you know, a drug bust will slow them getting to Hackensack, New Jersey pretty hard. This is true. Chucky gets out his trusty knife only to be chastised by his woman about how stabbings are outdated and, you know... just the, The two puppets bickering is so charming to me. Yeah. That's cute. They have great chemistry. Like, they filmed a lot of that... They filmed... They recorded the, the voices to those moments, like, pretty improv Yeah. And face-to-face, too. I know that everyone's like, oh, what they did was they recorded it together to, like, have a natural chemistry and a back and forth, because they say that about the Batman animated series as well, and I think early Simpsons. Why the fuck don't they do that every time? It's like, it oh, they're in different to, places. They're in different locations. It the voices. Get a, get a Zoom call going. I don't know. Just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how schedules work, but if it works every single time... Do it every single time. Yeah, wouldn't you want to... You you'd aim for that, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I like them arguing and bitching at each other. She's like, Stabbings went out with Bundy and Dami. look like Martha Stewart with that thing. She also calls his hammer predictable because he already used the hammer before in one of the other movies. Number one, Aunt Maggie in the face. What he hasn't used before is a bunch of nails and an airbag. Which, I don't think this is how airbags work. But now you're thinking creatively. <laughs> Building a fucking claymore out of a car. So, Kincaid comes in, puts the drugs down, and hears Tiffany giggling in the passenger seat. Very mm-hmm. ominous, spooky giggles. When he goes over to look, she ducks and Chucky cuts a wire. The airbag goes off. The nails sitting on the steering wheel are launched, and suddenly old Warren... I, I counted, like, 24 new facial piercings. Probably more. Well, it's a dark film. It is. But surprisingly, it's still very easy to see. <laughs> they quickly scrub up the van, stuff him into a box. Somehow they put the airbag back in. Yeah. And away the couple of couples go. Nice. So they don't make it very far. Because, as you recall, he called Needlenose to pick them up with those drugs. So um, they pull into one-stop truck stop. And it's another favourite scene of mine. Uh, Jade tries to reason with the police officer but he gets paid extra to tail them and be a hassle so jade grabs him around the throat in front of many young persons and claims she will vaporize him um jesse sends her into the truck stop for snacks while he deals with the guy uh, who promptly finds the drugs in chucky's pocket he shows jesse the weed before you know going to call it in um i love jesse you know, 
just, it's so funny to me. In a fit of rage, he just kind of like kicks his own headlight out. And then gets mad at himself for doing that. As he kicks, he's like, shit! Shit! <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, these, these cops once again are threatening the whole road trip angle of this movie, so the dolls step in to do something about Needle Nose now too. Uh, taking Tiffany's lighter, Chucky goes off with a rag and stuffs it into the police car's fuel tank. He lights it and then crawls back to the van, stopping to give a random stoned guy the bird. Another favourite movie moment of mine. Rude fucking doll. Oh, fuck, I love it. Um, so the cop car explodes. As they tend to do when you, you know... I do like that he sees it and is like going to get out of the car but yeah, like he, he looks it. yeah he sees it in the mirror and he's like oh shit and he looks up and just sees like the dolls waving and he like is too traumatized by that to move in time yeah so jesse and jed get into their van and a random points at them and says that's the woman who's gonna vaporize it and now they're on the run so david calls them up and he's like <laughs> i love his line line reading here too because like the the phone on the old ericsson because this is that old of a movie um you know, the, the phone rings, they answer it, and he's like, What the fuck? <laughs> As he's watching the news break. <laughs> yeah. He's panicking, and it's so fast. It's, it's such a good line. So Needle Nose blowing up is on the news already. Warren Kincaid is missing, and the dead cop from the intro's lighter was left at the scene of the one-stop. Officer B. So that's three dead cops on the list that uh, the couple might get pinned for. You know, Jesse and Jay. Uh, the, the borders have checkpoints, and that explains why... They suddenly go to Niagara Falls in the complete opposite direction to New Jersey. Who worked that one out? You explained that one. Because we looked at a map and we were like, oh, that's wrong. And you were like, hang on. Um, and this is all set to a Monster Magnet song, See yeah. You in Hell. Another good bass riff. Movie utilizes bass guitars. We do like bass guitars, yeah. The gang pulls up at the Honeymoon Suites Hotel in Niagara Falls. And Jesse and Jade finish their eloping plan by getting married in a shitty little chapel while paranoid at each other for maybe doing the kill. I'm, I'm annoyed at the priest in this. That he's fine with whatever's ominous shit's going on? Yeah, like, I, I understand. They look terrified that. of each other because they think the other one's a killer. Yeah. I hate that they don't get suspicious of Warren right away. But I guess he wouldn't blow up his friend. No. Yeah. So while they're saying their I do's, uh, Chucky and Tiffany listen to Thunderkiss 65 on the car's radio... Uh, which implies that uh, Fast Pussycat Kill Kill is canon in this universe as a film, not in not in universe though. Okay. Which is a shame. It means I'm not going to get a crossover. But um, while there, Chucky apologizes for dragging Tiffany into this into this mess, and they sort of bond here a little bit before Warren turns out to still be alive, and Chucky has to stab him to death for real this time. Yeah. A true classic never goes out of style. I didn't write it that down, but I'm realizing now as I'm going through my notes, it's like fuck, I know like all the quotes of this movie I've seen it too many times that night Jesse and Jade are watching the news and quietly stressing about things when they were interrupted by two weird uh, swinging newlyweds how do you feel about those guys I don't think they're actual swingers no but they, they try to do you think I that's a bluff to were. get kicked out of the room and stuff yeah I think it was totally a bluff to rob them alright cool so it turns out they're running a grift what a great grift you just interrupt people in the hotel and take their wallet while they try to get you out of there yep um, yeah, so, um, Tiffany gets real upset that they're, um, ruining the sanctity of marriage, faking marriage, just to burgle real love. I, I don't know what her problem is, but she's mad at it. She thinks it's disrespectful. Yeah. She won't stand for it. So she sneaks into their room while they wobble on the waterbed together. The woman, Diane, looks up at the ceiling. Uh, she's really, like... It's a mirror. It's one of those cool ceiling mirrors. I know, but it, she uh, doesn't like it at all. She doesn't want to fuck him. 
But he'd give her kisses on the neck and... Oh, no, like, I meant and... she doesn't like Tiffany. No. No, no one likes them. Uh, there's a running joke where everyone sees Scarred Up Chucky. And every... No, they don't even say anything. They just have the same delivery of... Ugh. <laughs> like, every time. It's so rude. He deserves it. Yeah, but she sees Tiffany through the mirror in the ceiling. And she throws a champagne bottle up. And it shatters the mirror. And that's a great set piece. It's very cool. Slow motion. Huge glass shards drop down. Um, and the waterbed and blood like splashes up and it's great and there's shit everywhere it looks great the sparks from the lights and stuff it's a, it's, a, it's a good scene except for the fact that it doesn't make sense why? because they get down and dirty in, in the room afterwards oh yeah you're mad about the qu- it's not dirty you're, you're, you were mad that that there was like a cut laundromat scene from this film yes <laughs> Um, okay, so, that's a cool moment. It impresses Chucky, too. So impressed by Tiffany's tactics that he pries Diane's ring off her severed finger with his teeth and proposes. Which it would be easier just to take it off the other direction. Kyle. He goes down the chunky part of the finger, not the fingernail part of the finger. Do you not know how rings go on fingers? Is he the, sh- is he the smartest toy on the shelf? Clearly not. <laughs> he blew up a crack house in the first movie, man. It's cool. So, my next shorthand note just said weird sex scene. And because this isn't the weird dreadlock shit from Avatar, I must mean the puppet sex from Bride of Chucky. Uh, it's filmed relatively classy, you know, like, doesn't show any titties on a... They don't show her tits until the next film. <laughs> just just reminding you that they showed puppet titties in, in Seed of Chucky. Yeah. The movie with the sperm in it. Um, so, yeah, it's filmed, you know classy, but Jennifer Tilly and Brad Dourif had, had good improv about needing a rubber. None of that was scripted. Um, and it shows the doll's tongue kissing. <laughs> uh, seriously, the animatronics and puppets are amazing in this film. They can smoke, cry, they can tongue bang. Each character took like seven to nine puppeteers running them all at the same time. And it's very impressive and very cool, I think. I always appreciate the effort that goes into the practical effects. I love it. Practical effects. I'm sure more people work on CGI, but it just. It, it's not the same. No. And knowing what it I know. It never fucking will be either, dude. They're not easy. No, man. I love the behind the scenes clip of the guys, like, pre, like, pre start testing the Chucky doll one morning by having him, like, stab one of the other guys in the crotch with, like, a spork. Yeah. Like, him, him laying on the table with the doll, like, aggressively stabbing at his, at his, at his dick. And then the camera pans, and there's like nine dudes giggling with joysticks. I mean, <laughs> it's wonderful. Fun. Yeah, it's very impressive. It really is. I love it. The, the effort and effects really add to the the mad the movie magic. I think, whether you know it or not, you can tell. That's why Jurassic Park is still fucking around. Yeah. Like it's still here. They make Duplo of that shit, man. It's because dinosaurs are epic. No, it's because it was practical effects with a little CGI just to tidy up some of it. That's how it should be used. They should have just hired a huge woman to play She-Hulk. I, I don't have beef with that show like some people do, but when I watch clips, she she moves in a way that kind of hurts my tummy. She gives me Uncanny Valley vibes. Okay. You've seen my reaction to it. I'm like, it's, 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 it's odd. It puts a shiver down my spine. Yeah. How do you feel about Weird Sidra? Practical will always be better. But that's because it's more believable to your brain. 
I'm glad we did this because my my notes say while I rambled about C- how CGI is for losers and practical effects are timeless gold. Uh, the sun rose and it's morning. Yeah. That's right. The lumpy sister from Hocus Pocus is playing the housekeeper stuff in this movie, and she comes into the room to find you know watered down blood and mirror everywhere. So she'd do a big scream, which wakes Jesse and Jade, and they grab the dolls and get the fuck out of there. Uh, neither Jesse or Jade can continue being around a murderer. Uh, neither figure anything out. But David shows up to help them. She's yeah, a, because they both looked at during the night and were like, They'll married get fucking crazy. Yeah. I married a killer. And he's like, you both seemed very convinced that each other was the killer. So I decided to come and hang out with you guys. Yeah. So he has a theory. Both the newlyweds called him, like you said, saying the other one's crazy killer. But if both are doing that, that probably means both of them are innocent. Mm-hmm. So things are calm for a brief moment before David notices the blood and opens the box to discover Warren's body. He doesn't flip out right away. Smart guy he is. He takes the police chief's gun and points it at the couple. Ah, tells them to pull the car over. I like that he's like, clearly neither of you did it because you were both convinced that the other one did it. He does say, I'd take, now I'm gonna kill you. I'd take Warren for a lunatic over either of you two. But if you recall, poo, something really stinks in here. Yeah. Because he can smell a rotting corpse. I don't know how those fuckers didn't. I also don't <laughs> maybe, know how Maybe if both of them thought the other one was the killer, they'd be afraid to check. Uh, maybe. So under an overpass, they pull the van over. And at this point, you know, things have gone far enough. See, while they were driving, there was this news on the radio. That that dead cop's, uh, you know, the the one that died. Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, when, they, when they checked his lighter at the one stop... The fingerprints on it were linked to Charles Lee Ray. Who's been dead for years. Yeah. So his body has been exhumed and checked. So So time... So time... Okay. Well, if the evidence points to that guy, maybe he didn't... Maybe they're checking to make sure that the right dead guy's in the grave and they didn't just shoot a random unarmed man at the fucking toy store in the first movie. Kyle. The police shoot unarmed people by accident all the time. It's believable. So time is running out. they got to get to that body before, like, the, the forensic people get it. So Chucky and Tiffany say, fuck it, and they pull out their guns too and tell all the humans in the van to shut up. Uh, David's a little shell-shocked by the sight and steps out of the back of the van only to get Sakura Minamoto by a truck. Oh, I'm, I'm referencing um, Zombieland Destiny. Saga for you there, dear. I thought it was Final Destination. No, Final... Uh, drop Dead. The chick who says Drop Dead does get hit by a bus in the first movie. I don't know, I've never seen that. Are you talking about the log bit on the freeway? Because that was things coming off the back of the truck, not the front of the truck. That's why I went with Zombieland Saga, because she's ready to start her new life, the future. Like, today's just the, the, you know, the start of the rest of my life. She gets fucking cleaned up by that man. She really does. That's a great opener for a TV show. Um, So yeah, that's what happens. So the dolls get Jesse and Jade moving so they can spend a moment shooting at a cop car before getting away and stealing an RV instead. Yeah. Well, hang on. something a little less Well, yeah, it's a van with a sweet airbrushed fucking hawk over the entire thing. It's the whole roof and both sides. It's one bird. Cool. So while hanging out in this RV, um, Chucky sits up with in the front with a gun on Jesse while he drives. Uh, Tiffany does Jade's makeup to match hers, so, you know, she looks nice when they swap bodies. Yeah. Um, and she's making more fucking meatballs with sauce and cookies. Um, and I like that she's wearing a little tiny apron. 
That doesn't make any fucking sense, but it's cute for the film. I also like that she... Because, like, why did the old couple that they killed... Yeah. yeah. Why did they have a tiny apron? What the fuck's the deal with that? I don't know. I'm glad they did, though. It's just a fun detail to me. Mm. It's it's the same thing. It's like, why did she have fishnets and and fucking Doc Martens for a tiny doll? But she had a bunch of dolls going on. She was doing Sid. She was Sid from Toy Story. She was clearly trying to, like, work out how to bring the doll back to life. If she was buying parts to rebuild Chucky later so they could get married and have babies, why did she have, like hot goth babe clothes <laughs> set aside for him because you know they were probably for a kid yeah and she I just, I'm just yeah I'm connecting those dots because you see little tiny converses in the store and you're like yeah they'd be on a child yeah alright so this, oh, whatever I was saying is going on um she's cooking cookies and making meatballs yep yeah, and that's what unravels everything See, when Jesse first talked to Jade about eloping, he kind of stole Tiffany's whole fucking thing about how the woman does the cooking and the man can do the dishes. Yeah. So when Chucky says his Tiffany's pretty great, Jesse points out that she isn't much of a housewife gesturing at all the pans and plates and shit in the RV sink. Chucky looks back and tells Tiff, hey, Tiff, those dishes won't do themselves. Lord. And she, she's not really impressed by that. And then Jade fucking takes the opportunity to say to her, Man, the least he could do for you after you made him dinner is wash a single fucking dish. And Tiffany is like, yeah, fuck you, Chucky. And Chucky's like, what would Martha Stewart say? And, uh, fuck Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart could kiss my shiny plastic butt. I can't wait for, like, I can't wait. Like, when Martha Stewart dies of old age one day, people there are going to use the fuck Martha Stewart meme. Yeah. There is going to be lots and lots of yeah. Chucky memes used. Um, she then infers that Chucky has a little doll dick and... You know, she gets kicked by Jade into the fucking oven. She does. Like the witch in Hansel and Gretel. So chaos ensues pretty quick. Chucky is shoved out the window and he fires the gun. Jesse crashes the RV. While everyone's recovering, you hear this really, even now, like this really eerie scratching sound to reveal Tiff is like that dude in Black Ops 2. But she survives. She does. Um, she's, kind of. She's a toasted marshmallow lady. Yeah. Alright, so Jesse tosses her out the RV and gets Jade out of there before the RV explodes. So, uh, okay, so Chucky gets Jade as a hostage, and they race the last few meters to the graveyard to his already dug-up grave. Um, and they, they shoot the forensic dude, who's poor bastard, like, working nights digging up a grave by himself. I really don't think <laughs> that... The one asshole had to do it. No wonder it was nighttime. It took him all day. Yeah, yeah. There's some questionable things there. It's for the it's for a cool set design. It's the same as the Tiffany apron. It's like, don't try, really try not to analyze this film too much. Don't question too much, but... It's the thing we noticed about Casper. If you look at any of the logistics of the film, what the fuck? But, like, if you look at it and you're like, oh, this is, this is a good time. Yeah. What, what, to enjoy what was that quote? It's analyze. like, this movie's really this movie's really smart if you're really stupid. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, okay, so, while Jesse takes Tiffany for his hostage, okay, that's what's going on. After Chucky gets the amulet off his corpse, they do the exchange, Chucky letting Jade go all the way before throwing his knife at her. Uh, Jesse spins around and takes the blade for himself, and Chucky gets his gun too because he's been stabbed, he's a little fucking disheveled. Then, you know, Chucky kind of wins for a second here. Well, at least we think so. No, I know where the movie's going, but like, he has the two human hosts hostage again, he's got the amulet, and he and Tiffany are going to be free to escape into... This is another fucking detail I noticed. They're about to get into the bodies of people they're framed for murder, so they are still wanted for the same murders regardless. Yeah. Does not really help that much. 
But forget about that. They could always just body swap into another guy. You know, once they have, like, human-sized legs, they could just walk around and catch up to anyone. It would make it a lot easier to have human-sized legs. Mm-hmm. See, remember what inspired this movie, Kyle? Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And what happens in that? Um, she turns out that she hates him. The monster... No, yeah, yeah kind of. These fucking cats, man. Drumming nuts. So, the monster in love realises that they are both monsters and they belong dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Tiffany kisses Chucky before stabbing him in the back. Her intentions are a little skewed, but she's doing all this in the name of love, you know? She she isn't forgivable, but you kind of get it, which makes me feel a little weird about how hardcore she goes with Nika in the first season of the TV series. Whatever. Um, so they have a fight, and he stabs her in the back, but in the front. He stabs her as well. Um, in the belly. Yeah. As she dies, Jesse, using this distraction to get around, slapshots Chucky into his own grave with a shovel, and pulls Jade out of there, and the ladder. So yeah. Jade pulls out the ladder. So Chucky's stuck in there. The detective, who's been a step behind them, finally shows up. I did barely even mentioned him, because he's really only on TVs up till this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he rocks up, and he's like, what the fuck's going on here, man? And Jade um, shoots the Chucky doll. You know? As you would. Yeah, yeah. He says, I'll come back. I always come back. And then she, like, you know, cocks the gun, and he's like... Her dying is such a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a good line. It also implies that he's always, you know, it, it's like, he, yeah. He I, feels the pain. No, I'm a classic slasher franchise character. Killing me don't mean shit. Yeah, but it still sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tedious and it hurts. So yeah, the detective calls this in and tells whoever is on the phone that Jesse and Jade are innocent. And they just kind of walk off while Detective Preston looks around the scene of the crime. What in 2022 would have definitely been a post-credit scene, though? Preston discovers Tiffany's charred remains. He gives a little poke, and she starts screaming and writhing. A very strange crying can be heard as a slimy gummy bear crawls out from under her dress. It's pretty gross. The little doll baby dives at Preston's face, and the movie cuts hard to black, leaving us right with a short hint of Glenn and Glenda's to come. What do you think of this movie, Kyle? Um... That's a pretty good film, really. It really does remind me in a sense of Batman Forever, where it's like we're not doing the original version of this anymore, but we're not all the way kooky yet. Yeah. You know, it's it's that weird middle ground movie, which makes sense that I enjoy it for that reason, because I, I like Batman Forever a shitload as well. It's a good film. I think it's fine. Um, what's your favourite... You don't have favourite kills, do you, because you're a little sook? What's your favourite scene? What's your favourite bit? Yeah, everyone's got a lot of good uh, getting ready montage. Hmm. Do you have a favourite one of those? I tried to name one from a Disney film for you. I hope you appreciated that. It's about genocide, but... (laughs) What can you do? We can only get so far. Um, Most of the things I didn't mention much in the movie's rundown were the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's sort of hard to fit that into the narrative, you know? Like, for example, regarding the post-ironic scream era of the slasher horror genre. They added comedy into the Chucky movies. Like, sure, he made puns before, but they're way more here. Oh, yeah. He's doing all the puns. He's got all the dad jokes going on. Um, and it's also got the tongue-in-cheek stuff. Like, another example of, of great DVD features, because we always like to remember good DVD special remember features. Remember when they had features? Yeah. Chucky has interviews, not Brad Dourif. Yeah. Um, and Chucky acts like an actor in the film, which is funny to me, because that might have influenced some of the Cedar Chucky shit we see in the next film. 
Okay, so yeah, and it, it's goofier than the original Trish. It's got jokes, but it also beefs up the gore and violence. It has more kills than yeah. any of the other ones, and they are fucking violent. I feel comparatively, like it, it you know what I mean? kind of went a little bit gremlins, but... It like, goes bigger in every direction. It's not just, oh, it's funny now, it's not as good as the old ones. It's like, they, they killed a bitch with a mirror and a bed. Yeah. And that's a cool shot. Like, it is very you, cinematic. I'm trying to think, like, of any wild kills from the first three movies, and I kind of can't. They kill the shaman with voodoo. The chick gets thrown out the window. But that's it. Like, she hits the ground. Yeah. That's true. But it's definitely more, like, over-the-top kills. Maybe the foster dad in Child's Play 2. Oh! Remember the, he gets tripped the down the fucking one. basement? The what? The photocopy lady. She just gets her head slammed with a photocopy. <laughs> yeah, but then it runs off prints. Yeah. That's creative. Yeah, you think you're creative. Sorry, I've been no. rewatching. Don't hug me. I'm scared. There's a TV season now. That's wonderful stuff. Um, yeah. So I think, I also think viewers of this would have seen all the old slasher movies already, so they would be desensitized and need a little more wild kills. Yeah. I mean, that's why fucking Saw popped off the way it did originally. Remember how. It, do, it does. Remember take how a fucking insane the reverse like... bear trap was when people first saw it? That people lost their shit over that, and then the movie kept trying to top itself. And then the guy from Limp Biscuit was like glued to a car. I forget. I forget the deal. Someone got killed by like a, a go kart on a train track with a blade on the front of it. Do you remember that shit? Nope. But yeah, I think this movie done some of that stuff. Yeah. Um. So it yeah, goes, sure it's it goofy, yeah, but it's more of everything. To it. Yeah. Um, I also like how Don Mancini like cycles concepts and scenes around and keeps them together. Like how John Ritter was the security guard in Child's Play Three, but he was you know Kincaid here. Mm-hmm. Um. I like that he's been sitting on the multiple Chucky idea for so long. Yeah. When he used it, that must have been satisfying, and it also probably helps too, like the writing process of the films, because if you're sitting on cool ideas for long enough, you want it to be good. Yeah, you want everyone to love it. Yeah, so there's like a there's a foreplay move to it where it's like you gotta build it up or something. Like um Any final thoughts? Um, I don't like scary movies and it's pretty good. Would you show it to a child? No. What's your age? How old does it have to be before you show it to someone? Twelve to fifteen. Alright, cool, cool. You gotta be careful though. Because then, like, you'll ruin that. If it's a boy, you'll ruin them. Because they'll want every woman in their life to look like Tiffany. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Alright, good. I'm, I'm glad we've cleared that up now. Um, you, you act like I don't know. Oh, I'm sure you notice. There's clues everywhere. Literally. Yeah. So, um, you ready to go on a homework? Sure. Do you recommend the film? Mm, yes. Okay. So, homework is, uh, what are some other things with, like, really clear phases, like, like the Chucky franchise? Uh, whether, Green Day. Whether ones you think are good, or ones... Oh, that is a good answer. Green Day has clear phases, but for the most part, still good. Mm-hmm. I, I, one of your answers before we played this, uh, before we recorded this episode was, like, Blink-182, and I'm like, there's been consistently the same this whole time. What are you talking about? Yeah, but technically Chucky is somewhat consistent. Like, he's still got his overall plans. 
Harley Quinn has a lot of very distinct phases. You got the original good stuff, and then you have the black and red hair version, like Suicide Squad, but the comic, not the movie. I think after the movie, the blonde Harley Quinn is a different phase again. Then you got the whole Marion. Yeah, I think that's sort of where the Marion stuff is referencing. Um. Yeah, I can't think of any as clear as day as the Chucky franchise because like a lot of animes are like this is the this is the blank arc you know this is the Tartarus arc this is the fucking Arashian Cease arc but those are all the same shit yeah you know nothing is this I guess South Park we've already mentioned it but that's those are very distinct you can taste the difference yeah yeah that's a good answer too you got really early Lumpy Simpsons and you have seasons three through until until um that Frank Dude, Frank Grimes dies. Hmm. And then everyone's like, oh, Homer's actually a piece of shit. And then they just roll with that forever. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Does Mickey Mouse have different phases? You got the old timey dude, and then he's like, kind of normal for a bit, and then now he's just kind of like an empty mascot. Yeah. Ronald McDonald. Less so, because they just got rid of him. Ronald McDonald? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking... We, hey, you should listen to our episode about McDonald's to get some information about that. Alright, so that brings us to the end of part one of uh, Spooky Month. Not as in we will do other chuffies, just, just in like... We, we do five episodes of... I would have loved to have rewatched and covered um, the Chucky TV series, but after Battle when I'm like afraid of television shows right now, I was like, I don't have time. Yeah. And if I was going to cover a television show, you'd be Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared right now. Brilliant. I recommend that also. Is Watch all the Chucky movies, man. I know he's not as, like, cool as the Michael Myers and the what-have-yous, but... So? You know, <laughs> Does that make sense? It's like, it ain't really about the guys so much as, like, the cool creative kills, uh, the funny puns sometimes. I mean, he's not as bad and goofy as fucking Freddy is. Do you know what I find really funny that seems to be popular this year in countries that celebrate Halloween? Mm-hmm. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That fucking movie rules. I wanted to. That was originally today's topic. But if you go through our back catalogue, you see it was already a today's topic. Yeah, because we were like, what? what is this? Then I got frustrated and said, fuck it, I'm just going to watch Bride of Chucky because I like that movie. Yeah. And that brings us to the end. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Producer Kai, for being here and doing some editing, probably. Just a little bit. I've been your host, Toby DePola. Remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe. Listen to our back catalogue, because there's some goodies in there. And, um... Send us your grab bag selections at schoolforwardnerds at gmail.com. You should probably mention what that is. It's been a year since the last one. Oh, the last episode <laughs> of October, so usually the one closest to Halloween... We do a list of... We do ten mini topics. See, I've been thinking about playing it up this year. Oh, yeah? Maybe we'll only do six. But it depends. Email us. Let us know. How many spooky topics would you like us to cover? Uh, And what are some topics you think are important for us to talk about? Scary music videos I introduced last year. I like those. Holy shit. That was a whole year ago. Weirdly, that's how time works. I know, but I feel like me frantically trying to figure out what the why Black Hole Sun by by um, Soundgarden was slightly different on YouTube to how I remember it. 
That was a whole thing, and that was that was a year ago. Yep. Still reeling. Because they changed it. But you should listen to last year's Halloween grab bag to find out more about that. And on that note, class dismissed. Happy Halloween, everybody.